Welcome back to the Doghouse Podcast. My name's Connor. I'm joined by Austin, JJ, and Jimbo. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about the Calgary Flames. So, gentlemen, first I kind of want to point a question to you guys. What went wrong with the Flames this year? What didn't go wrong? Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, damn, okay. <laughs> I mean, fair point, but like, yeah, fill this in. Give us, Give us your take. Man, like, it's just been a rough season, right? Like, you come in with such high expectations, you add players last uh, last summer, and then, you know, this happens, you know, second worst team in the Canadian division, arguably what a lot of people think is the worst division, you know, a lot of people thought Calgary were going to be number one. Yeah, that, that's a fair point. I, I know I did for sure with the additions of, like, Markstrom and Tanev. This team looked like they were primed to really take over the at least the north division right especially since a lot of teams didn't really do much in the offseason and just lost and lost more players i mean how many how many like tsn and sportsnet analysts had calgary in the top two or three at the beginning before the year started uh for their predictions there's a lot of them if i remember correctly like the expectations were high in calgary and unfortunately that did not happen and losing to ottawa how, how many times eight times already so Calgary's lost six games out of eight. To the out of eight. Okay. Sorry, wow. so much better for them. Six out of eight, and the That's Sens ha- have held Calgary to one goal in five of those losses. I mean, that's that has to say something because no other team's been struggling with Ottawa. They, for most teams, it's like their day off almost. And the Flames, these those are points you need when you're playing the bottom teams. You need those extra points to squeak in. And so something's gone wrong. Exactly. That's a great point, JJ. Like, I think one of the biggest things that's gone wrong with Calgary this season is that when it comes down to it, they're not able to get points when they need to. Like when they're playing Ottawa, they're not getting the points. They've won two of eight. Uh, when they're, you know, they're looking like they're going to win the game or they're looking like there's a good chance for them to come back. You know, they're not capitalizing when they're on the power play. They're not capitalizing when they're on the penalty kill. They're getting hurt. They're, they're, they're giving up goals like you know it just seems like every single turn this season either every time there's something that can go wrong does go wrong or they just never manage to pull out w when they need to every game for the past like 15 games has been a quote-unquote must win for calgary if they want to make the postseason and they haven't won they never win the must win games man they can't do it yeah so they they clearly aren't given the effort they need to right but is is that really like is it that they're just not trying, or is it more of a just an underperforming thing, or or is it just even coaching or down to the GM? What where does that come from? In? What is the Flames' identity? Like when you look at the best goal? teams in the league, they have an identity. You know, Toronto's got those blazing skilled guys who put up a ton of points. Vancouver's the youth movement that tries hard. Edmonton's McDavid and Drysital. You know, the Jets are a bunch of high scorers who can play two-way hockey. Like, what do you think of when you think of the Flames? They don't have an identity. And they play like they don't have an identity. I can tell you what their last known identity was. You know, I don't know what their current identity was, is, but um, their last identity that I can recall that was, you know, like you said, like a pretty known thing, was the 2014-2015 Calgary Flames. When they were the find-away Flames. Now... Whether that's, you know, a good thing to have as your identity, that you're finding a way to win a game when you're, you know, you're down two, three goals going to the third. Uh, you know, maybe that's a topic of something else. Uh, 
maybe not the best identity to have, but to me, like that's that was the last time the Flames kind of stood for something and you kind of knew what to expect. Because ever since then, like they've just been inconsistent. Made playoffs, miss, made, miss, made, miss. You know, inconsistency is their identity right now. Absolutely. Um, if we're talking about the Flames and not having an identity, yeah, this is a bit of trivia for you guys. Who's the last NHL coach who coached the Flames that coached another NHL team after the Flames? God, I couldn't tell you. It's Daryl Sutter. Wow. For him, it was his brother. Uh, (laughs) And he only coached three years in Columbus and never won a playoff round. So we're talking, we go pretty much all the way back to the beginning. They've Pretty much all their coaches haven't been successful after Calgary. Uh, One of them won a cup in Pittsburgh, but never did anything after that. Um, If you look at their coaches since pretty much the start of time, maybe after the 80s, it's pretty much been these coaches who come in, coach the Flames, either have one or two years with another team, don't do well, or they just never coach again. So we talked a lot about that with Ralph Kruger when we are going with Buffalo, when we are going, maybe he wasn't the right guy. When's the last time the Flames have had the right guy to help create an identity? Well, here, here's the thing. If you were to ask current Flames, and there's been sound bites out there, especially from this season in terms of what their identity is, you got guys like Giordano, Lucic, Sutter, Trey Living, saying the Flames are a hard, forechecking, physical team that will beat you in the corners. That's what they're trying to be built around, and that's what their identity is. But how do you how do you achieve that identity as a team when you have five guys under five foot ten? Yeah, you're you're not. You're it's the team's favoring. If you if if the Flames are going, we need to have a system that benefits Lucic the most when he is nowhere near a star on that team. That's a problem. That is playing to your weakness, not your strength. And even good for uh, Luch if it's working for him, but it's not working for the team. Even more to JJ's point, when you look at the Flames, like I think they're very good at drafting. Developing's another thing, but a lot of guys they take are really good skilled guys who are on the smaller side. You know, you got Goudreau, you got Matthew Phillips, you got just recently Jacob Peltier. So you get, you're drafting like you want this small, fast team, you know, that can put up a ton of goals. But then when it comes to free agency and trades, you know, who does he get? Brett Ritchie, you know, Chris Tanev, Milan Lucic in a trade to get away of James Neal. But, you know, he's doing one thing and then doing another and they can't coexist. Like, I understand you want to have a couple grinders, but when half your roster is big goofs who all they can do is hit, and the other half are tiny guys who all they can do is score. It doesn't matter who you get as a coach. Someone's going to be disappointed and not contributing. Absolutely. Although I will give some players credit. Um, Johnny Goudreau, even under Sutter's system, once he was moved away from Richie, has been absolutely on fire. He's been putting up good numbers, and he's been playing great in both ends of the ice, which is something that is kind of refreshing for a Flames fan. Then. We talk a lot about guys who you know waste their whole career somewhere. You know, I, we touched upon, you know, Eichel not getting the chance to be to a playoff team. Looking back at it, have we ever seen that, uh, you know, have we wasted Johnny Gaudreau's career? Like, this guy, when you watch him play, he's fantastic. Do you think if he was on a better team who knew how to play to their strengths that he would actually be, you know, heart winner, maybe even have a cup by now? Do you guys think that maybe his career was wasted playing in Calgary this long? I, th- I think a lot of what Calgary had done over the years built his career, the addition of drafting guys like Sean Bonahan, um, getting Lindholm and all them. There's a lot that made him a, an amazing character 
but it's been two years since the Flames have done things to make and build the team around him. It feels like they haven't really... It feels like now is when they're hurting his career. Prior? No. It feels like uh, it's mutual. I think it's a bit harsh. I mean, how old is he? 28, 29? Like, his career is far from over, right? He's still got a, a good, you know, eight years left, probably, so... You don't think so? For a player that small who's based solely on his skill, it's only downhill from here. I don't I think he's got a long he's time. He's never been a playoff player, so I don't think his career's been wasted because uh, I mean he's twenty seven now, he still has time, but what other team would trade for Goudreau for playoffs? Like he, every time he's shown up in the playoffs he's failed. And he can't play that tough game, so I think he's a great regular season player. I don't think he's a good playoff player. And I think Calgary's core is a huge problem. If you look at that core, what team trying to win the Stanley Cup would want that core? I mean, Backlund, in my opinion, is not a second-line center on a winning team. And right now he's playing third-line center, so it just proves my point. It's just not a good enough core, in my opinion, with no identity. And they haven't had a good coach in a long time. Well, not just a bad core. Their core is aging, too. Matthew Kachuk is 23 years old. Goudreau is 27. Monaghan's 26. Um, Lindholm's 26. They're they're getting up there. They're almost near the peak of what you want your core to be at. It almost feels like with uh, with the core, you guys are almost doing what Detroit does. Remember at the end of the Detroit playoff streak, they'd go in and get some guy and keep the streak alive, just you know to keep it alive. But unlike Detroit, you guys never won a cup with this core, and yet you're still, like, every year you throw money at some UFA and then pray to God that will make you guys the contender, and it just hasn't yet. So, okay, I think we've clearly established that we don't think this core is good enough, um, especially getting close to 30. Uh, but what, what do you guys think? What do you do now, with, especially since a lot of these guys are either coming up to contract extension time or are going to be leaving soon. Yeah, I think I think you definitely need a retool. Um, I was pretty critical earlier, saying that I don't think this team's good enough to win. And you have these players who are 26, 27, so they're in their prime, and they're not making the playoffs, and they're second last, or third last, but Canucks have like six games in hand or something, and they're only three points behind. I think you have to do a retool. I know it's painful for the fans. Um, you have Markstrom, so you're going to be stuck with him. Maybe this is just a bad year for him and he can bounce back. But Geo's pretty much done. I would get rid of Goudreau and I would personally get rid of Monaghan. And if I if you could, Backlund. But I would trade them while they're in their prime and hopefully you can get something back for them and retool there. I agree with you partially. Like There definitely needs to be some sort of retool, but... Um... I don't think this is the season to blow up the whole thing, like to you know trade all your pieces because the, the, a lot of the players have underperformed this year, you know, and there's a big contention is you know how much of this season is underperformance. Um, but you just look at compared to last season, and they're they're hugely underperforming. So um, I, I I don't know if you can give up on everyone, you know, uh, after one season, and and not to mention their trade value is going to be lower. Uh, this year right so um i i think yeah maybe like a molly maybe even johnny like you know one key piece has to go uh get some good returns for them and then see how next season goes if it's a bust again then maybe you just have to blow up the whole thing 
I'm I'm on the opposite mindset. I I think there are two players on this roster that are worth saving. Everyone else can go. Like the the NHL is not a league that you know rewards teams that stand pat. You need to be vicious in this business. You look at the Rangers; they were a great team for a long time. They weren't going anywhere. They just blew it up. They didn't care. They traded away everyone who was fan favorites, longtime Rangers, great players still. And just went, nope, get out of here. We're, we're, we're starting over again. We're going to make a winning team this time. And obviously it's so, too early to tell. Does, uh, does Tree Living, you know, his does he blow up his own core? I mean, this is his this is his baby, right? Like, I mean, no I don't chance. know if he can be the one to do that. <laughs> yeah. he, or he's going to have to get fired. Yeah. No, uh, Trey Living's in the save my job kind of deal right now, where he's just throwing money at guys, praying to God that this team will make a couple playoff runs. Because the moment he goes to the owners and go, you know, hey, all these guys I told you were really good and would win you a cup, uh, they're all garbage, and I want to get rid of them. Yeah, like he's done. That's that's going to be the nail in his coffin. So I think Trey Living right now is just kind of holding on to his jobs and praying to God that you know his good drafting will get him through. Unfortunately, I don't know if I have a much faith in the uh, prospect development of the Flames, but you know, time will tell with that one. I mean, when you think about like obviously the rebuilding and obviously that's going to happen, do you think Trey Living's going to be able to make it to the draft, or do you think the ownership was going to be fed up with him before and just be like, all right, no, this isn't going to work? I think they keep him around for another season. I, you know, this year is the COVID year where, you know, everything's all goofy. And I think the owners are way more lax on GMs. Very few owners in the league are very pushy with trying to win. So I don't, I think the owners are just going to write this year off of, oh, you know, whoopsie doopsie, it's a COVID year, who cares? And then give Tree Living and Suter a full season next year to try and win it. And then if you guys are still in the tank next year, bye bye to Tree Living, I think. Oh, 100%. And we'll see what he does in the summer, because Tree Living is more of a summer trader, right? Like, he's never been much of a deadline guy, as we kind of talked about last episode. And um, their moves to the deadline were good. You know, in my opinion, I think he, he did a good job in the deadline. Uh, his return for Sam Bennett and David Riddick, like, um, I think he got the maximum value. So, uh, in terms of what his job was at the deadline, I think he kind of, you know, he hit the nail on the head there. So, I think it'll be interesting to see what he does in the summer and then kind of pending that and and i agree with i agree with austin like i think it's likely gonna be determined by next season all right sorry about that guys we kind of had a little bit of a drop call but uh welcome back to the doghouse podcast um so where we left off we were kind of talking about brad trey living and will he be gone by the end of the the summer um so i kind of want to pose another question we kind of briefly talked about this earlier but um if the Flames are going to, should the Flames first off commit to the rebuild or commit to a retool, you know, completely blow up the core or just a few guys? And if so, how do you see them doing so when there's a flat cap for the next four years? I'm definitely going to be more on the uh, the retool side. Uh, the reason for that is you have Backlund signed until he's uh, 36 uh, you still have Lucic for two more years after this. Uh, Geo's done after this year. But other than that, you still have uh, most of your people. I know you'll probably have to trade Goudreau because he's UFA next year and maybe Monaghan the year after that. But 
I think this team, you can easily get rid of some of the bad pieces and just put in players of equal skill level and then give it one last try. And then if that still doesn't work after a year or two, then you might have to blow it up completely. Yeah, I mean, to my point of just completely blowing it up, uh, a benefit that the Flames have with Tree Living is he usually doesn't go crazy on contracts. So even with a flat cap in COVID times, there's like very few contracts that I think would be hard to move. You know, Rasmus Anderson's contract is very reasonable, can be moved pretty easily. Lindholm's contract can be moved pretty easily, right? These are all good players. People want them. They can be moved. And as for guys like Lucic and Tanev, who might not be as good and are on long-term contracts, you know, you still need to have bodies playing. And you don't, when you're doing a rebuild, you don't want to just, you know, throw the young guys to the wolves. You want to have those older guys who will eat the minutes for them while they develop. It sucks it's going to have to watch Lucic play first line to get that first overall pick, but, you know, some sacrifices have to be made. I, I don't know about that. Lucic has been putting up great numbers so far. Uh, he's having a resurgence. You know what? No, 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 no. He's been, he has, you know, yes, he's been putting up pretty good numbers on the offense, but I'll tell you, he turns the puck over just as many times as he puts in the net. He evens out, like... How many goals against the Calgary Flames have been because of a bad Lucic turnover? And there's a lot, man. A lot. They do not balance out the good he's done this year. <laughs> 17 points? You don't think he's given uh, more than 17 turnovers, uh, Connor? <laughs> oh, he, he definitely has. J- James is absolutely right. There's one game I think alone I saw him give up the puck five times into the slot. You also have, you also have Markstrom locked up until uh, he's either 36 or 37. So I think you have a lot of the pieces in place to be a good team. Uh, Daryl Sutter's clearly not working, so I think you have to find a new coach. No, and that coach has that. to... You don't agree with that? I, if, if you what? keep Sutter, if you keep Sutter, you're going to have to trade the entire core. The entire core. Because that's not how he plays. It's an easier fix to go, you know what, it didn't work, Sutter, sorry. Hire another coach who might be more offensively minded. And then just trade away some of the big brute guys who aren't as talented offensively. No, James, James. explain yourself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yourself, James. James is in the doghouse. Yeah, no, I, I don't agree with that logic at all. You know, how many coaches have the Flames had over the past six years? Right, like how, you can't just keep putting it onto the coach and then firing the coach again. You and doing this every year and a half or so. At some point, you just have to stick with someone and. Daryl Sutter, he's a proven guy. I know a lot of people say he, he's old-time hockey, uh, but he wasn't coaching that long ago, and I think he's someone you can keep around for a couple of years, and I think he is going to stick around for a couple of years because you can't just keep flip-flopping between coaches and expect things to change. I, I, I just don't think that that's the way to go. James, when LA won the Cup, did they win it because of new age, you know, really smart tactics, small, speedy guys? Or did they win it off the backs of Dustin Brown and Drew Doughty and Alex Martinez and every other goon you can name on that team just running guys and having two franchise players in Kopitar and Doughty, right? Like, he does well when he has a franchise guy. And quick. You know, he had success in Calgary when he had a Ginlan. He rode that piggy to the bank. But when you look at him without these franchise guys or tough guys, he's useless. Like, he's just not a good coach. So... But when he came into L.A. that first season, they won the Cup. They were doing terrible. They were out of the playoffs. So you're saying the Flames are winning the Cup this year? 
Oh, 100% no. But uh, you, you <laughs> can't just so, say... So then, but, but basically then I keep what Austin was just saying is that that had nothing to do with the coach and it was all to do with the players. Uh, that says otherwise to me. And I but, think the last six years says otherwise. How many coaches have the Flames had and nothing's changed? Like, at some but, point, it comes down to the players and the GM. As I was saying earlier, how many good coaches have they had? How many coaches Flames, have actually gone on after? Yeah, the Flames haven't had any good coaches, which is a big thing. Like, this is the first time we've actually, like, shelled out for, like, what I would consider a top-tier coach. But we've, we've really... I, I personally, I think we've chosen an awful coach for this team's build, right? Like... You, you cannot defend and say this guy is a good coach when he puts fucking Brett Ritchie on the top line with Goudreau and Monaghan. That is that is that sinful. Is dis- that is disgusting that Monaghan is on a top line. I agree with Connor. Get him <laughs> out of there. Let's build a real team here. I just want to say both of those times he went to the final, one time he won, one time he didn't, and was successful. He had a very good right-wing power forward. Who is the best power forward on the Flames right now? Lucic? Kachuk, but he's Kachuk prototypical. But then he throws a temper tantrum. He throws a temper tantrum and then gets a penalty or something stupid. I wouldn't put him up with a Ginla. I wouldn't put him up with Dustin Brown in his prime. I just don't think it's the same. It's not the same system. It's not the same players. It's not a good fit. He could be a really good coach, and he's shown that he has been in the past. But if you put a really good coach in with players that don't match with his system, it's not going to work. And that's well, my opinion. I mean, just to go back, like I have some numbers from when the Flames last had a coach that fit their sk- scheme. When Calgary was playing like a new dynamic game where they took chances off the rush, when they took big strides, they were generating a lot of offense. Um, they didn't rank out of the top ten in any category. That is offense and defense, goals against, shots against, scoring chances against, goals for, cycle chances, rush chances, you name it. They were in the top 10 in every category. And since then, we switched to like a defensive mindset where defense first, no chances on the rushes. That's what Tyler's specialty is. And we have been brutal offensively. Who, who was the coach when during that season for your stats? Uh, Bill Peters. Oh, yeah. Was, so, I, I, yeah, that makes sense because they've played well under Bill Peters. So... But obviously, you can't have. You can't hire Bill. <laughs> no, you can't hire Bill Peters. No, 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 no. So here, here's another bit of trivia for you guys. Since the Flames have won the Stanley Cup, how many playoff rounds have they won? I am not counting them winning last year against the Jets. One. One. It's one. You do realize when they went they to the final in 2004, right? I'm gonna guess yeah. like <laughs> ten. Muppet. Ten. I'm guessing six. Six? I'm going one. Yeah. Four. Might be five. They've won four, and three came in that in 2004. Shameful. So yeah, shameful. that is a legacy of failure, in my opinion. That shows that something's not worked, and I'm going to say it's the coaching, because if you look at their coaching history, none of them go on after. So that's I'm going to blame it on that, and then we can get into the core later. But four rounds, that's sad. Like, that is really sad. That's shameful, honestly. And James was saying and... 10, so it just shows that Flames fans believe in this core. They they think this core is so much better than it actually is. Getting into that uh, core issue, has Matthew Kachuk ran out of time in Calgary? Like, from what I'm getting, it doesn't look like the fans like him anymore. Media doesn't like him anymore. And, you know, there's those rumblings that the team doesn't even like him anymore. 
you know, and when you're an agitator and you're not helping your team, you're infinitely hurting them in every regard. Uh, I um, said this at the start of the year, actually. I said the Flames, their biggest concern is going to be Ottawa has a reason to play them. Ottawa doesn't have a reason to play any other team, but because there's the two brothers, there's going to always be that rivalry. And then when the Flames play any team, like the Jets or the Canucks, where it, it, it's some, it is a rivalry but not as big as the Flames-Oilers, there's a reason to play. Players don't like Kachuk. Even Toronto, we saw Muzzin uh, shoot the, flick the puck at him after. You can tell players just don't like him. And when you really don't like a guy and he's going out there and doing questionable things, you're going to play harder. You're going you're gonna to want to win. You're going to want to beat that team. You're going to want to beat that guy. So if the team's lost their confidence in him, then it's time to go. Uh, if they haven't, then you got to keep him for the skill he has. But you might want to tell him behind the scenes, hey, tone it down. Tone it down. I think that's a big issue, though. The Flames already, especially when Jeff War was near the end of his coaching career, was definitely like, hey, you can't continue to do that. That's that's not working. And Kachuk went on a big drought during that time. He was statistically awful. So well, that's something to even, consider. Even when well, he does it, though, he's pretty useless. Like, how many times does he hurt the play trying to get up to his antics? What was that one recently where the stick didn't hit him? Or his own stick hit his face and he dived at the blue line rather than trying to stop the play? So that like, was Mark Shifley. He, instead of trying to come back on a two-on-one, which he had a step on Shifley, he initiated contact and flopped, gave up a two-on-one, which went in the net. Yeah, and then yeah. recently he uh, he just you know got the puck on an empty net and rather than passing it, tried to do a big fancy deke, lost it and fell, and they scored on the empty net. Like I, to be honest, his skating is pretty terrible. He's got great hockey IQ and like hands, but I think he's just so wrapped up in the agitator role. You know, you look at Brad Marchand; he's the biggest agitator in the league. But like ten times out of ten, if there's a play to be made, he will make that play first. He will put that puck in the net, and he's an excellent skater. I don't know if Kachuk has that to his game. So does Kachuk need to fix it, or should the Flames just look on getting rid of Kachuk and moving on? Well, I think we all agree he needs to fix it, but my question is, can he fix it in Calgary? A lot of guys don't. Like, Zach Cassian didn't fix his issues in Buffalo or Vancouver. Or Montreal. <laughs> or Montreal. <laughs> Was he there for long? I don't remember. Yeah. I think I think you got to set the timeline, and it all depends on what you're doing with the core, because if... If Tree Living's idea right now is, uh, th- like, I'm keeping the core, then you have time to work on it. If you're training uh, Johnny and Monty, you're going to have to make sure that Kachuk's ready to play and it's going to be there and tone it down a little bit and be good. I'm, I'm going to compare him to Domi a little bit. Domi in Arizona, he focused on just getting the puck in the net and playing hockey. And he was great. And he even did that a bit in Montreal. And then you saw that switch where he started, he wanted to be the tough guy. He was trying to fight everyone, every play. And that's what we're seeing now. And look at his stats. They've completely fallen off. Uh, Ty Domi even said, don't play like I played. You're better than me. Play to get points. There's always going to be a guy you can sign who can fight people. And that's what I think Tuchuk needs. He just needs to play his game, score. Nothing makes the enemy or the other team more upset than losing. And letting in goals. If you're in the box and they're on the power play, especially in the Canadian division where there's really good power plays, you're just punishing your own team. You're not punishing the other team. And they're going to like it. And they're going to send some third liner out against you 
to make you upset and make you do something stupid because we know he will always lose his head. He can never keep it calm. No, you're absolutely right. Like, think about it this year. Like, when you look at the Flames last year in the Battle of Alberta, think about how heated that was getting between Kachuk and Cassian and all the Flames fans and Oilers fans. It was getting very intense, right? But, like, now teams have figured out, hey, if we just don't respond, we'll just dominate them otherwise. Or even in that example, who wins if Cassian's in the box for five minutes and Kachuk's in the box for five minutes? The Oilers. They still have Dreisaitl and McDavid out there. Even if it's 4-on-4, even if it's 5-on-5, they win that scenario. They win that trade every time. It works when you're a winning team. You know, that year when Calgary was undefeatable and Kachuk was doing that, everyone's like, oh my god, this this pest, this great agitator, he's getting on our team's skin, he's so aggravating, but now when the Flames are losing, you're just like, what is this clown doing? Like, it's embarrassing to watch for the team. Uh, half the other guys don't even look like they want to play anymore. Oh, you know, so I I wonder if there's a locker room problem. Oh, James, do you disagree? No, 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 I don't disagree. I was I'm actually agreeing okay. with you because I'm just I was just gonna say that I don't know how many times you know this season I've watched the game and we're down one goal in the third period. There's five minutes left to go, and what does Manchapani or Kachak or Lucic do? They take a dumb freaking penalty, like so Every many time. times, and they're down. Like it's so frustrating to watch, man. Like so many times. So it's back not... to James's point, actually. Sorry, Connor. Um, with the Sabres, when we were talking about the Sabres and their struggle, you know, under Ralph Kruger, like, they didn't want to play. When we fired Ralph Kruger and we brought in uh, Don Granado, who's our interim coach, like, they look like a new team. And even though, like, the Sabres are still losing a decent amount of games, we're winning a lot, and all our young guys are fired up. Everyone looks like they're having fun playing. How many coaches have the Flames fired and they don't get motivated? You know, you fire Bob Hartley because, oh, he's too hard on Goudreau. When has Goudreau ever looked motivated since then? Right? How many times do you have to fire a coach until you realize maybe this team just can't get motivated with these guys in the dressing room? See, and goalies, uh, too. How many goalies have they had in the last five exactly. years? Six years. See, just going to the Goudreau thing, I, I would say Goudreau is a weird case because he's not a defensive player. He doesn't work hard on the defensive zone. So that is... he Obviously, he's going to look unmotivated, but when it's like five minutes left and he's giving like a lot more ice time in those last five minutes he is working hard to produce i think there in the case it's just no one else's in a lot of cases monahan's pretty lazy and then guys like kachuk are making bad decisions bad calls or they're just not getting dice time um but just also as well with that goalie thing i think that's not just a uh, goaltending has been bad in calgary like the goalies are bad themselves i think it's a it's a system issue. Calgary doesn't know how to develop and train goalies. I agree. Well, and, I mean, how many goalies have they brought in who then are successful after? I mean, Mike Smith's still playing, and he's a starter. I, and big big save Dave's gone to Toronto. Exactly. So they dumped like, Mike do, Smith. They dumped Mike how's Smith. How's he doing in Toronto, though? Well, no, that that's what I mean, is they dump Mike Smith for big save Dave, and then they go, okay, big save Dave's not the guy. Here's Markstrom. So, but they keep doing that. They did that with uh, Ramo and Hiller. They, they, then they brought in Elliot. He was there for a year, gone. They haven't had a stable presence in net since Kiprasov. And they haven't had anyone that's been their own development. It's always someone externally. When was the last time we had someone come in, you know, that was that, that was you know, drafted by Calgary and comes in and, and lights it up, you know, lights out? Not very often. 
I mean, th- you think about some of the big name goaltenders like Calgary has drafted and sh- should have been like the next big thing. John Gillies, Parsons, right? Like, God, both of them have turned what? out awfully. And I don't think it's on them. There- there's a big thing on Calgary there. Like, so then does that go back to coaching then? Does that go to, like, not head coach. Does that go to just the, the owners aren't getting the right people in for goaltending coaches, for scouting players even? Like, where's the problem? Because it, it, right now it looks like everywhere. I mean, goaltending's not standout. Defense isn't standout. And offense isn't contributing. I mean, I think Calgary's kind of in that, like, perpetual state that a lot of franchises can get into of a state of mediocrity. Oh, You're yeah. almost there you're not you're almost you know oh we're, we're too good to go into a rebuild but we're not quite good enough for the cup and they just find that zone and just like okay we'll stick there you know and that's a death of a franchise really is staying we're the we're the minnesota of uh canada like any minnesota <laughs> like, like, the, like the twins Except they make the playoffs <laughs> but they make the, the issue with calgary is i think you guys you know yeah, true. You guys hit it <laughs> with finding good players in the draft and you hit it with developing guys you know you look at your lineup you got a lot of guys who came from Stockton up you know Manjupani, uh Rasmus Anderson Backlund played a bit in Stockton right but and that's good you know all the winning teams do that but where are your big hits you know you get your highest draft pick in all time where is he right now he's lighting it up in Florida right your other guy we just talked about how he's is he his time up in town you know, you guys fail in the first round, and then you keep trading your first round picks. Like, do you guys just give them away? You know, you guys could have had no adoption. Hundred percent. Go off, James. I want to add on to your point because uh, this has been something that I've been thinking about for a long time. Like, what one of the biggest things, in my opinion, um, that's wrong with Calgary is that you don't have one guy who is your best player and is going to play his heart out every single night. Like. You ask 100 people in Calgary who is Calgary's best player, I guarantee you there's not one consensus. And that's an issue, in my opinion. Like, you need someone. Like, and I don't know if they've just been unlucky or bad at drafting or they just haven't got the right draft picks or, or what it is, but they, they just don't have... I think they just need one franchise guy, like someone who's just going to play his heart out every night and everyone knows who it is. You know, you look at a lot of the best players or best teams and they have, you know, at least one one player like that right that you can ask anyone around the league any nhl fan and you know when you think of this team what player do you think of and there's just there's one name that always comes up one two names you don't get that in calgary and i think that says a lot about where we are right now and it just builds on to austin's point and And building on to your point how many of those teams or even other mediocre teams would go yep we want calgary's top four or top six not many. Like, not many teams are going to go, oh, please give us Goudreau. This will make us a winning team now, or Monaghan. Like, I just don't think they're good enough. I, I, Goudreau has been really good in the past, but when he doesn't score, what does he do? I don't think much. Or at least other players who are a bit bigger, a bit more physical, or a bit better defensively, if they go through a bit of an offensive slump, they're at least still there contributing and doing the best they can. Where Goudreau, if he's not there offensively, he's invisible, in my opinion. He's and, and, and sorry, go uh, ahead, Austin. Yeah, and like Gaudreau, he's a great offensive player. You know that goal against Riddick in Toronto was beautiful when he got a breakaway. But unless he has those pristine moments, he doesn't dominate play. 
He's not the turn on your television guy like Patrick Kane, Austin Matthews, Connor McDavid is, right? He's never going to be, you know, well, okay, we're, we're struggling, but Goudreau is going to get us a win here. He's going to put up a ton of points, and you're going to, you know, love it, but he needs that guy. Yeah. And we're talking about, like, the difficulty of the first round. You know, Calgary, you, you guys can win the draft lottery this year. You might fall behind Vancouver and Ottawa. But do you even trust your GM to pick the right guy in such an uncertain draft? Right? Like, I guarantee you he'll pick someone who will be an NHLer. But does he have the quality to find that star talent? I, I honestly think Tree Living, in terms of drafts, does have the ability to, like, pick the right guy with the star talent. It's... When you look back at to like all the drafts he has had, right? He's taking probably the best guy at the time, and clearly what would have been like the most guaranteed pick with those picks, right? Like you think back, like Kachuk at six during Kachuk's draft. There's probably not anyone else he would have taken during that. Even the Bennett draft, like I don't think anyone was expecting a guy like Kyle Connor to blow up into one of the top 20 players in the league right Kyle, Kyle Connor was drafted 2015 Bennett's was 2014 oh. so and have they just gotten unlucky then or what because I, uh... I think it's a mix because when you look at the 2014 draft like Sam Bennett was put up a lot of points in junior but it was like it was pretty well known he's not a skill guy he's a tough guy right and when you have guys like William Nylander you know Nikolai Ellers Kevin Fiala who I'll go later Dylan Larkin you know, a lot of these guys were known commodities in their draft. So, like, I'm not dissing Tree Living. Like, he's got a great drafting record, I think. You know, I like a lot of late-round picks. Getting Manju Patty in the sixth round is insane. But I don't know if I trust him to be able to find, you know, the star guys. The guys that make you the cup winner. You know, the Braden points of the bunch. Yeah. So, just going on to that, is it more of, like... Is it specifically a GM thing? Because when you think about it, Calgary's been brutal for quite a long time. So is it more of a GM thing or the entire hockey operations from its scouting to its development uh, coaches and its GM? Are those all the issues that are just feeding into each other? It's, it's hard to say. I really don't know how much of a sway the scouts have on the GM. You know, it, it's different every team. I know Yeiserman always trusts his scouts because he gets the good scouts. But then there's other GMs who are like, I don't care what my scouts say, I'm going to pick the guy that I want. You know, we all know the famous case of Yakupov going first when all the Edmonton scouts are like, don't do it, this guy's not worth it. And I think... You uh, know, he was nice to the kids, though. He did play Xbox with the kids, and he let them win. So, you know, that's a real good sign. But when we're looking at asset management, like, did you know in 2018, when did you guys, what was your ties pick in 2018? God, it would have to be nearly 50, nearly 60. That's a bit generous. Because we traded away and we got. That was your highest pick in 2018. Yeah, they messed up for a while there, and we had not a lot of draft picks. I do remember that. Yeah, then we traded away for Hamannick. Yeah, and that was Dobson, wasn't it? That was Noah Dobson, who, uh, he's been okay with the Islanders, but I guarantee you in the flame system he'd be a lot better. So should that have been, that should that have been Tree Living's all-in, all-in move, you know, to win the cup with that core, the current core? Like I think he just throws yeah. assets to go, well, I don't need these assets because, you know, if I get Hamannick, we're a cup contender. When the good teams wait until they're a cup contender and they go, if I get rid of these assets, I'm a cup champion, right? Tampa didn't trade away a first until they're, 
you know, 62 wins in a season kind of team. Yeah, that's kind of the same thing for, like, teams like Washington and Pittsburgh. They didn't really change much in their systems until, like, they're like, yeah, we're ready to make that push. And Pittsburgh's definitely feeling the burn of that. You know, they have no one in the pipeline and their team's getting old. But they won three cups. Who cares? What does Calgary have to show for this? You can't forget that Calgary did win the Western Conference, right? Or, yeah, well, didn't win, but they finished first in the Western Conference that one season. So that that would have been just like confirmation to tree living at that that season that, you know, this is the core that we're going to win the Stanley Cup with. But then only two players showed up in the playoffs. Oh, well, exactly. Yeah, and that was Sam Bennett, who's gone, and Mike Smith, who's gone. Yeah, yeah, but at the same time, we look at what team that is. That's Colorado. How's Colorado been since? They've been easily one of the best teams in the league. It shouldn't be a, that big of a surprise that Calgary yeah, there's a bit dominated. of a pushover. I mean, Calgary was they were they were the hot team, no pun intended. Yeah, up but... until that point, and then they got annihilated. And now, yeah, Colorado's really good, but there was I'm... a complete pushover. Only two players even tried to win. I mean, I wouldn't it's say it's a complete pushover. Calgary only lost one game by more than one goal. But they never looked like... Oh, oh, yeah. yeah. They, they, there was, like, except absolutely. for that first game, they never yeah. looked they, like... They got completely out-dominated by Nathan McKinnon. That's basically what it was. He completely destroyed the whole team. One guy. Which shows that Calgary's core is not a playoff core. I mean, yes, it's obviously not a playoff core. I think we've established that for many years. But I think it's also tough to hold the Flames... A cowball against losing to a team with Ratton and Nathan McKinnon and Landeskog. You absolutely can because they've been beaten in the playoffs. And if you finish first in the West, yeah, they've never won. You should at least win more than one game. I remember when they uh, they lost to Calgary the first game, and everyone you know in Calgary was saying you know cup cup for Calgary. And then uh, Colorado announced that Kale McCarr just gra- uh, finished his year in college, and he'll be coming over to play in the playoffs. And everyone was like, oh, they have to bring in this. This young oh, yeah. guy, was that year? and he Ready. dominated the Flames. Like it was. Brutal. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh it. yeah, the, the one, the top, arguably one of the top five defensemen in the league now. Uh, small connection to Doggo's podcast. He used to live down the street from Jimbo, and Jimbo's such a good lad that he gave up hockey for Makar. <laughs> he let him. <laughs> he let him. Yeah. He let him take the last roster spot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, but like talking about that, like you so. It can't just be a luck thing that Colorado ends up with these franchise players and Calgary just never does, like we were talking about before. There's no way it just comes down to luck. I think it's no. the, uh, the I, I, fear to, to blow it up, to, to suck enough to get that first overall pick. Well, I, I think it's also a fear that Calgary went through, what, six, seven years of not making the playoffs for a while. And it, it felt miserable being a fan and living in the city when your team is just brutal. But and I think that's a big thing. Like fans want the changes. Fans see that, like they don't like this isn't working. But no one wants to go through that misery again. I think you have to. You've only won one playoff round since 2004. That is misery. Oh no, but that was against guys. the Canucks <laughs> when they were at the end of their like run. I don't know about you guys, but every uh, Sabres top three pick is just as fun as the last one. So you know, you always got that to look forward to. <laughs> Here's a question, which is why I don't trust the GM. Who's the best right winger on the Flames? And Lindholm's currently playing center. So he's not playing right wing. 
Say it with me. Who's the me. best? Brett so, Richie. Well, Richie's the only one. Brett so, There's no right wingers on the Flames. If you're going to go by who's playing where, then Matthew Kachuk is the best right winger on the Flames. Yes, but he's a left winger. So Brutal. you have you have people who never played right wing or or much better on in a different position playing right wing. Why is there not one dominant right winger on that team? Should have never gone rid Lynn of James Neal. <laughs> no, you never got rid, got rid of James Neal. Of Furlan. Furlan was the heart and soul of that team. Because the one really good line was Monaghan, Goudreau, Lindholm that one year. That was the best line. Yep. Who's second line right wing on the Flames if they have that line? And who's second line center? Backlund, not good enough in my opinion. And who's on right wing? Mangiapani? Yeah. He's a left winger. So that's that creates problems. You had, If you don't have a right winger on your team, that creates problems. That's a huge gap on your top six forwards. Well, I think if you went by the top six of having that top line where it's Goudreau, Monaghan, and Lindholm, that second line is Monahan, or is Kachuk, uh, Backlund, followed by Mangiapane on the right. Which I don't think is good. I don't think that's a good enough second line anyway. And Mangiapane is not a right winger. No, Mangiapane is not playing the right position, but I think Mangiapane is, like, he, he's a second liner for sure, but you he's need center line. depth. He's the best flame. Man, the Flames needed that one-for-one Froelich Zucker trade. Holy, that would have really fixed them. Right now, their leading goal scorer has 15 goals on the Flames. And pretty much everyone after that is it's not great. So is there not a goal scorer on the Flames? Is there not a proven sniper slash goal scorer on the Flames? Definitely not. The, the best they've gotten in terms of a proven goal scorer would be Goudreau over the last couple of years and he's a playmaker first exactly oh, yeah. so you ask any you ask any NHL so you ask someone from Toronto who's the best goal scorer, goal scorer in the Calgary Flames I guarantee you they either you get mismatched picks and no one really knows or they say Goudreau and he's not 15 goals is not good enough huh Remember when the Coyotes only had uh, one goal score is zero uh, above 20, and that was like a huge deal? How is this not a huge deal for the Calgary Flames? But is it like, is this a core issue and the players' issue, or is this something like the coaching has put them in spots where they can't generate offense, right? Think about Je- Jeff Ward for a second. How much line juggling and how weird were some of his lines, right? Like he had. Uh, what's it called Backlund on the right wing, a guy who's never played on the right wing before. Exactly, because you guys don't have a right winger. This goes right back to my other point. There's no right winger on the team, so you're putting you people had... who aren't successful there. You guys had and good defensive depth. You guys had, you know, uh, Shillington. You have, you know, Stone, who's been playing really well. You had Hamannick and let him go. So you have this huge issue of right wing, and then what do you guys do in free agency? You go after Chris Tanner. Like, what does Chris Tanev bring to the Flames? Like, I know he's been amazing this season, but do you need Chris Tanev more than you need a first or second line right winger? How good does Toffoli look on the Flames? Toffoli would have been amazing. You're absolutely right. But I think, honestly, with some of the ways, like, especially the young guys have, like, started to develop, a guy like Chris Tanev is exactly what you need. A guy like Geo is something you don't. Well, maybe they can know. use that cap space once he's done or trade someone out and try to get a right winger because right now they don't have one. Tanner has yeah, they four don't, they more years. Tanner has four more years, and I know he's having a great year, but he's 31, and the way he plays puts double the mileage on his body than any other player. 
And he gets hurt every year. I don't think he has this year, but uh, that's quite lucky, honestly. He gets hurt every year, the way he plays. I really like him. I loved him in Vancouver, but he's going to get hurt. It's destined when you're blocking that many shots. I'm also but, looking at a Calgary roster. And are they a cash-out team? Like, are these guys who just roll up, get their money, and stop playing? You know, Jacob Markstrom, has he been the same goalie since Vancouver? No. No, it's Matthew, only been one year, though, but yeah. Matthew Kachuk, has he been the same player since he signed that contract? No. Michael Backlund, same thing. No, long-term. So, Rasmus Anderson signs a huge contract. He's been garbage this year. So I'm going to pose a question to that because that brings up a, a great point. Is it a, a leadership issue? Like, do you just not have the right captain or someone who rallies the troops? Like, you know, is there just not that guy who's rallying people around? So everyone's just kind of being independent on their own, just kind of l- lolly-dallying around? Like, like I don't think Gio, been... To me, Geo doesn't... This is just my opinion, but, like, I've never thought of Geo as, like, you know... A super strong captain i don't know what it is but like i've never just got the feeling that he can rally the troops i don't know and the flames have had the same leadership group for a long time like i know they've added kachuk as an alternate he switches with backland every other game or something like that but like giordano monahan backland have been your captaincy group for how long like four years right and you know no one ever talks about it because it's, it's been one of the more consistent ones in the league but is this a leadership issue is there a motivation issue in the dressing room? Is there a divide? You know, it's hard to say because we're just speculating, but, you know, why aren't these good players performing under different coaches? And I know the system they're in now sucks, but, you know, there's a lot more to it. Oh, absolutely. I th- honestly, I really do think there is a leadership issue. It's like there there is the talk about, oh, this is such a strong locker room in the offseason. There's talk about how great of a leader Mark Giordano is and all that. But when you see this team and you see them trying to really dig themselves out, it doesn't feel like that. Like, Gio makes so many bonehead moves, and then it doesn't always seem like he's putting in a bunch of effort. He looks like he can, but it doesn't seem like it, right? Like, you see other great leaders, they are dragging their team in the battle. You don't see anyone on the Flames doing that. Yeah, I was about to say, Gio now is a very nice man uh great for the city of calgary but Perfect. is he the guy you want yelling at people when there's two minutes left and you're down by a goal or, or giving that inspirational speech uh to rally the troops of the middle i don't see that i i've never seen geo get mad at johnny or Monty or anyone for that matter on, on his own team and i sometimes you know he can't just be running around screaming at everyone like james neal did in the in calgary but sometimes people need that wake-up call or that Hey, we we're still in this. Let's go. Let's get going. And I just don't think we've seen that. And is Monahan even a good alternate? Do you see Monahan doing that? I don't think so. And then we were talking about uh, Kachuk's always in the box or having a temper tantrum. So if he's the other alternate, I, I don't think that's a good match. So yeah, I, I I absolutely agree that there is a leadership problem. So what is what do the Flames do? Do they should they just try to trade Geo? Do they wait till his contract goes up? Do they maybe make a move with Seattle to take him? Um, you might. I honestly think you. Uh, who's exposed actually for the Flames? Anyone huge? It was um, Sam Bennett. Well, on their defense. That's not really a if Mark Giordano and Chris Tanev don't waive their no movement clauses, they would have to expose one of Noah Hannafin or Rasmus Anderson. So then you have to trade someone. You have to either hope Luch because Lucic has a no trade, doesn't he? Yeah. 
So you'd have to either go, no, going in, Lucic, are you going to waive it? And if not, then you're going to have to trade Gio. Because you can't lose Hannafin or Anderson yeah, but and keep Gio for one more gonna year. He's going to take his contract, man. Like, um, here, Here's a, a funny thing about that. Um, with the forward court, they're probably, the Flames are probably not going to go with like the eight skaters. They're probably going to do the seven and three. So even if you traded a Luch or told Seattle to trade Luch, it doesn't help the issue. They still can only protect three defensemen. Then you're going to have to either make sure that Gio goes in going, I know I only have one year left, I'll wave, or you're going to have to trade him. And I know James was uh, just saying, who's going to take that contract? I believe he only has one year left after this. I one. guess Calgary yes, could retain. Yeah, so if Calgary, if Calgary retains, I mean, you can try to sell it as, oh, he's the Gio of the past for half the cost. So for three, three-ish million, you want to, you know, you want an ex-captain who... Uh, we don't think it's a very good leader, but some teams might. Who can sometimes get some points? Why not? If you're a playoff team, why not? The issue, too, though, is Mark Giordano has that modified no-movement clause, so he submits his list of teams he's mm. willing to go to. It's probably going to be all Stanley Cup teams. Is Tampa Bay going to take $3.7 million for a 38-year-old? No. no. Is Vegas? No. So he's like, going to tailor haul the team. He's going to tailor haul the team, exactly. And I know he'll probably waive it. He seems like a good guy as much as he loves Calgary. But don't forget, in the expansion draft, remember when uh, Dion Phaneuf wouldn't waive it for Ottawa? And Mark Mathot got taken and it destroyed Ottawa. Yeah, so you can't count out the possibility that sometimes it just happens, right? But to be fair, in that situation, Dion Phaneuf was not like a heart and soul, found his love and everything in that city. He was what there for over just a year. I'm pretty he sure he was assistant like captain in Calgary. Yeah, but I, could... think, I think he was there for a bit actually. in Calgary. No, no, no. no uh, this is when he got exposed to Vegas, or they asked him to, and he wouldn't go. So oh. He would have been in Ottawa. Let's see. I wonder if more teams He's in Ottawa are for two willing years. to go or three years. Okay, yeah, three years. I wonder if more teams are willing to go this year because. The main reason why so many guys didn't waive their no-movement clause with Vegas was they thought Vegas was going to suck. Totally. And now that Vegas is one of the best teams, teams guys are asking to go to Vegas, so I wonder if people will think Seattle will be the same. Yeah, true. It would be risky. I do want to, well, obviously, I think Gio will waive it, but I want to propose this question to the Flames fans. Let's say Gio and Tanev don't waive it. Who would you rather keep, Noah Hannafin or Rasmus Anderson? Hannafin. Yeah, I think you'd have to. I think you have to do Hannafin because if you let Hannafin go, then you've 100% lost the Dougie Hamilton trade. Where right now you can you can still go, uh, we still have a solid defenseman and Lindholm is one of our better players, if not the best player on the Flames. So you can at least wow. go, oh, Tree Living won that trade. Or if you let Hannafin go, you've lost that trade. If, Ham- if Hamilton, if Hamil- or, uh, yeah, Dougie Hamilton uh, walks from uh, Carolina, because isn't he a free agent this year? Like He's a free agent. Yeah. Bring him it doesn't back. Matter. Get rid of Geo. Bring him back. I, I I don't agree with that. I don't think you can. It's a sunk cost at that point. Like nothing's going to change the trade. So uh, I I don't think you keep someone just because to make another trade look better in the past. I don't think there's any benefit to doing that. Uh, if you're a GM who's so, on the hot seat, there definitely is benefit to doing that. Especially if you're tree living right now, uh, you need every victory you can get. Even though Dougie's walking, uh, if you lose Anafin. I think that's a big L on the Flames. And More for Tree Living especially. To back James up on this though, uh, Flames have a ton of lefty because lefty are easy to come by, 
Rasmus Anderson shoots right. He's the same age as Hannafin. He's only 24. He signed for cheaper money, and he signed longer term. Yeah, but here's the thing between the two players. Uh, I, Hannafin has shown that he can play against top-line players. He's shown that he is capable of being a shut, like a top-pair defenseman. When you gave Rasmus Anderson the chance to play in that top role, he buckled. He buckled really hard. And that is a scary thought. Arguably, what you could do, because it, it is a right-hand defenseman for cheap, you could get a lot more back in terms of value. Yeah, just trade Anderson even at the draft? or Yeah. It's a big cap it, to be trying to trade away. Yeah, it definitely is risky. But like you said, big value. He's young. He's on a good cap hit for a long time. Rasmus Anderson, if the Tanev and Geo have to be protected, then... Like, I loved Rasmus Anderson, but he's been bad. I mean, I know I know plus-minus can be a silly stat, but Noah Hannafin's only a minus-two on the Flames, and he plays 20 minutes a night on average. So it shows that... I know plus-minus is a bit funky, but it shows that a defenseman who's playing lots of minutes on a bottom team isn't on for a lot of the 5-on-5 five five goals against, where Rasmus Anderson is a minus-12. So that is a 10... Minus 10 difference, and I, I know I've said three times now, it's a funky stat, but it shows on a weak team, Hannafin's at least not letting in a 1,000 goals every time he's out there. He's at least keeping the puck out of the net. He, he might not be putting the puck in the net every play, but keeping it out is just as, um, uh, just as important, if not more, especially for a defenseman. Yeah, just, just to add on to that, there was, what, a crazy statistic during the season that was like, oh, yeah, Tanev and Hannafin have not had a 5-on-5 goal against in over, like, 200-something minutes. Yeah, That's a that. pair that is, even though they may not be signed for longer, if you have that pair for three, four years, that's a solid pair in the league, right? Um, James, what what do you think? Hannafin or Anderson? Mm, I'm pretty torn. Uh, I'd probably say Anderson. I, I, I think both look bad, though. Both look really bad. Because, like, you sign Anderson, he's supposed to be your up-and-coming potential, you know, top 2D guy. Sign him for a long time at a decent amount of change and let him go. Like, I, I think, honestly, it's a lose-lose situation at that point. So it's... Uh, James, I, at that point, you have to get rid of Gio. James, <laughs> I have a great point for you. Uh, to support James... You know, you guys are saying we can't get rid of Noah Hannafin because, you know, we traded the Dougie to get him. The Calgary Flames rejected a trade from the Ottawa Senators for Mark Stone, a top five winger in the league, who plays on the right wing because they asked for Rasmus Anderson. Oh, and they that's said, a big L. They said, we believe in Anderson more. They, we, they thought he was going to be Carlson level. Wow, so does that man. look worse if you let Anderson walk than uh, the Hamilton trade? I don't think there's a way you can win in this situation. There, there is so many losses that the Flames have taken from potential moves or previous moves and just how things have shifted for the other teams. The Hannafin one, right, where you, Hamilton's been elite. This one where you could have got Mark Stone. Um, obviously that hurts. And then you also had the what? What, what was it? The Flames tried to trade for McKinnon and just couldn't. Also, um, I love watching, if you guys are ever on YouTube and you watch, you know, day on the draft floor of a draft, they're usually just there to show the families and who gets drafted. But a lot of times they cut in on, you can hear audio GMs because they post it after the draft. 
and the Flames were this close to trading Dougie Hamilton to Arizona. They were going to oh, trade for- him in the 2018 draft for the fifth overall pick if Brady Kachuk was still available. Wow. Um, that so was like Barrett Hayden, the, wasn't it? That, that was, was Barrett Hayden, Hayden yeah. yeah. That would have been pretty wild. Both Kachuk brothers on the Flames. Oh, my yeah. God. Not if, and if like peop- not enough people hate the Flames already. That would have just, like... <laughs> oh, that would have been brutal. <laughs> that would have God. cemented. Yeah, yeah, that would have cemented hatred. God, was... could you imagine that second line? That was one Ooh, of two teams that tried to trade for uh, Brady Kachuk in that draft. Uh, was the other, who was the other? Buffalo? Yeah. Buffalo was very close to as well. They were going to trade Ryan O'Reilly to Montreal for three first rounds. And instead, you wanted to give him a Stanley Cup, so you traded him to yeah. St. Louis. Montreal said no because they thought Kakinemi would be better than Ryan O'Reilly. And he's been a healthy <laughs> scratch. So, you know. Surprised, uh, surprised Pain French Canadian fan in the crowd. Yeah. What? <laughs> what? Who? Yeah, who? Oh my gosh. The issue with the Flames, and this is, I think, why the Flames fans are in so much pain. You know, look at James's face right now. He's just near tears. <laughs> this is miserable, uh, yeah. Is that this is not a beyond. This is not the Buffalo episode where I was crying. Like, this team is very fixable. Like, and this team can be fixed this year. There's a kid in the draft, uh, Dylan Gunther. In 12 WHL games, he has 12 goals, 12 assists. He's a right winger. Like, you hey, guys, there you, you guys, go. you get a top pick. <laughs> You take him in the draft, you sign some good guys in free agency, this is a playoff team. But I think the issue is we did, we all agree that the Flames don't have the aptitude to do that. I don't think they're going to no. take the steps to fix this team. What they need, in my opinion, is to let go of their GM, let go of their coach, and find two minds that have a similar vision for the team and that can work well together. If, you know, if the GM wants this team that's super fast-paced offense then you get a coach who's defensive it's not going to work they need to find two people with the same vision and then they can retool together and then you can have a coach and a gm stay for a couple years you have markstrom you're stuck with him so there'll be some stability in that hopefully plays like last year and i think that's the only way they can fix it because if you just keep uh getting rid of a coach for another bad one trading a goalie every couple years trying to sign a free agent from vancouver every couple years it's not going to work you're not going to win and the patience is going to get very uh, low very quickly, especially because this team never wins anything. I think the patience is already at its lowest it's ever been. I don't think it can get much lower. There's a lot of fans out there, me included, who think Trey Living should be done with this team. I think so. I, I know he, I know James was saying earlier he did well, and he did get a second for Bennett, which at the t- I, when that trade happened, we were all going, wow, the Flames won that. So we just have to see if Sam Bennett continues to play the way he is. But what, there's just five points in two... three games in four or yeah. something like that. Yeah, he's been good. Yeah, in but... four games, five points, three of them are goals. Yeah, he's also playing with Jonathan Huberto. Um, I really don't buy into like players do this all the time. They get traded, they put up a ton of points, then they sign somewhere else and go back to sucking. Like I yeah, think he's so... just rejuvenated to be somewhere that's not Calgary, Alberta. Rather than he's in Florida now on the beach, tan. Playing top six minutes with two elite players. You know, he misses a shot in Florida, and there's not 30 new shows like us talking about him complaining. Like, I don't yeah, think true. he gives a damn. No one Florida. knows he didn't do a pull-up that one time in Florida. Yeah. <laughs> no one's holding that over his head like we are in Calgary. But no Lanny facial hair. That is a shame. That I is think he'll grow it out for the playoffs. I, I think that's a Calgary not... thing only. Yeah, it's a Calgary thing. How could he grow that out in Florida? 
I mean, he can grow something else there. Uh, who's the who's the coach of Florida? Uh, oh, Quinville, Chicago guy. Yeah. And what does Quinville look like? No, you're, little... you're not wrong. You're not but wrong, actually. I, I do Tell want me. to pose this kind of a question to the panel because we did mention and talk about. We've talked a lot about Trey Living. We've also talked a little bit about Sutter. But um, when Sutter was initially brought in to the team. Uh, he, he mentioned how he would be rewarding players on their work ethic as well as on how they they were playing as well as the stuff like their analytics, you know, how well they control the puck, the pace of the game, and etc. Um, clearly, that hasn't been happening with getting, you know, a guy like Brett Ritchie getting top six minutes and a guy like Mangiapane or Dubé getting relegated to third or fourth line. So, especially in critical situations, too. Those guys aren't on the ice. Instead, you got guys like Lucic in the final three minutes down by one. So, is one Sutter misusing his key pieces? And then, two, should the Flames kind of focus their shift towards more of an analytics-based system where they reward on analytics, or should they continue by kind of like the old-fashioned eye test? I'm not I'm not too sure how much analytics will help motivate this team. You know, yes, even if you focus to an entirely analytics based, you know, coaching method, there's just so many guys who even though they're analytical darlings, they don't try. Right? And that's that's partly the eye test. And you know, there's nothing you know, Dylan Dubé is great offensively, but I couldn't justify putting him top 6 with the way he plays sometimes. Like sometimes he looks like he does not want to be there. Right, so how can we, you know, push these guys because yes, they're good analytically, but they don't have the motivation to play. And I'm not sure, you know, Sutter's a pretty great motivator, and I think he's going to be a bit backbone to this team that needs. As much as I don't like his coaching, I think the sternness will help the Flames. But yeah, I'm not sure if switching analytics will save this issue. Um, I'm going to sound like a broken record here. Who else can he put on right wing? I know I've talked about this a lot, but. Who else can he put there? How many There's times no I one... gotta tell you, Brett Ritchie? Yeah, that's his only option. So what even else if he's playing bad, uh, who do you put there? Josh Levo, I would say, is at least a better option than Brett Ritchie in a top six role. And he even was a middle great six. last year. I don't think he's been that good this year. Uh, even if he's not been that good, better than Brett Ritchie. Brett Ritchie's awful. Yeah, but Josh Levo wasn't a top six forward in Vancouver sometimes he played with Horvat on the second line but that was always the weaker line that Horvat carried but he was he was the star of the show on the third line or in the fourth line that's when he was the best and that's when he was scoring so bringing him up and putting him first line going hey go play against McDavid and Dreisaitl you're not gonna win doing that so I think that's the problem they don't have the right pieces so even if he's rewarding the wrong players he has no one to reward because no one plays on that side. I think uh, I think the argument of Brett Ritchie or Josh Levo on the first line sounds like a 2015 AHL All Star argument. Isn't that depressing? That's like, so how, why sad. Why are we having an argument about this, man? <laughs> like, I, I I I don't. I agree with Austin, though. I don't think uh, I don't think anything will ever beat having eyes, you know, at ice level. Um, I think it's easy just to look at the analytics, go and you know Yahoo Fantasy and take a look how they're doing and, and whatnot, and you decide the lines based on that. But I think there's just a whole lot more that goes into it, and uh, I, I think Sutter's just trying to move around pieces and do the best he can, to be honest, with what he has. And um, to JJ's point, I think there's obviously some pieces missing there that just uh, it doesn't matter what you do; it's just not going to work if you don't have the right pieces. So, oh, let absolutely. me ask you guys a quick so, question. We, we've also 
uh, sorry, Connor. Um, just I'm looking at no, this roster, and we keep talking about a move that needs to be made, a move that needs to be made. If you guys, you know, let's armchair GM a bit, as everyone online loves to do. If you were given the chance in Tree Living Share to make one move that you think, you know, a trade, a signing, if you want, what trade would you make that you think could possibly fix the Flames, or at least make them better? <laughs> I think it's too late. I the trade I had in mind would have been uh, Mantha before the year started, or in the off season. I think oh, that would have been the trade. He's a power forward. He's right wing. I know. I know you don't have Daryl Sutter at this point in time, but that would have played off perfectly then. But then you have a designated first line right winger, and I think that's the main problem. Uh, Detroit gave him up for a lot, so that could have been a problem. Uh, <laughs> trading back pretty much everything like Washington did, but even uh, even what uh, what Detroit got back, uh, Rana is that how you pronounce his name? Jacob Rana and Panic. Yep. That would have been that would have been another good move too. Even later in this year, he's a he's a sniper, he's a winger. I'm pretty sure he's right wing actually, and that's what the Flames need a goal scorer. So I yeah, I think the ship's already sailed. I would have said those two. So I'm gonna hand it off with no trade because I think the ship's no trade. Wow. <laughs> I Man think their gets best put in the GM are office and goes, nah, I'm good. Put Brett Richie up there again. I'm gonna do it. Yeah, I'm gonna do a tree living. Hire me as the Flames GM. Yep. Give Richie the A while we're at it too. I mean, maybe, maybe like if you want to go nuts. I mean, how many years does Phil Castle have left? And the area no, 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 retain no, some no, socks. No, Maybe no, if we want to go nuts. Shut up, JJ. You know what? You know what? Everyone's saying shut up right now, but I'm about to prove you all right. <laughs> you would be the leading goal scorer on the Flames. Um, honestly, sixteen goals. It's not bad. Right winger. I will take none of this hot dog Phil crap right now. He is. He would be the best player on the Flames, and you all know it. Okay, Sad. I'm going to go balls on the table, and I'd probably make a trade like Goudreau or Monaghan and try to get Patrick Lane out of out of Columbus. <laughs> wow, that is risky. Wow. <laughs> hey, we all know right he can winger. be a right winger, shoots right, big player. If you play him with the right guys, he could be lethal. I mean, he scores. He's a proven okay. scorer. So let me get this pitch right. You, the Flames GM. Are you, I'm going to take Johnny Gaudreau, who's 27, Sean Monaghan, who's 26, but he's injured like a 40-year-old, and you're going to go to Jarmo Kekalainen, the GM of the Finnish national team, and go, hey, you know that guy you wanted at the draft and you finally got him? Here you go. Take my garbage. Again, again the ship sailed. They waited too long. All the yeah, good players are gone. The Flames probably waited too long on Lane, but I mean, it, it depends. If they think Lane is not going to be a player for their future, that, that, that's tough to say because how many times has he been scratched? But that's I also Tort's going to go before Lane, hundred percent. Although to support Connor, if they don't get rid of Tort's, you know who'd be a better trade? Kachuk for Lane. I don't know about that. <laughs> Think about it like this. I, you got Gaudreau on the top line left wing. All right? You get rid of Kachuk. He's useless. Gone. You can move Mangiapane to the second line left wing, and you put uh, Liney on that top right wing. That second line wouldn't play third line for Arizona. Like, come on. What are you Mangiapane talking about? Mangiapane is far better than Kachuk. He would 
absolutely bolster that. Uh, better than Kachuk. I disagree with absolutely. That. That, that is better than Kachuk. I will, I will die wow. by the blade. Eat and bread. I was, and you guys thought I was crazy with Phil Kessel. Jeez. I, I will say Majiapati's played better this year than Kachuk, but as a player, yeah. that is... exactly. I think there's a lot of emphasis here, like you're biased towards this one season, and you know a little too much, to be honest. So. All right, team. James. What's what's your trade then? Oh, I don't. You know, I I didn't I didn't prepare a mock trade or anything, but just like my general opinion of what needs to be done. Yeah, you need to trade. I think in the off season you trade one core guy. You know, one of your top guys. Um, I think Monahan will be a tough one to dispose of because you're really not going to get anything for him. Like he's going to be the worst uh, you know, trade back you'll get. But uh, so you dispose of one key guy. Um, and I, I don't know how to get it. This is the, the this is what I can't wrap my head around. But I, I know what they need. They just need some franchise guy like that that they can actually build around. And I just still don't think they ever found someone that, like I said, it's going to play the heart out every night and it's going to give you a chance to win and um, can win a game for you, like a, a an offensive guy that can win a game for you. And um, I don't know who it is. I don't know how they get him because. I don't think they have the pieces, you know, they're not going to trade for Eichel or something like that, but he, you know, he's a guy that comes to mind, someone like that, you know, that could be a real franchise-defining guy, and we just don't have it, that's what they need, no idea how they're going to get it, but. We well, had Sam Bennett. Oh. Franchise-defining just... Sam Bennett. <laughs> just thinking on that, um, he arguably, trade out a core piece, kind of take a year to rebuild, retool a little bit, so... Trade Matthew Kachuk to the Sens for a guy like uh, Brandstrom or um, Shane Pinto or even uh, Batherson and a first round or two. You get oh, the no, Kachuk man. guys in Ottawa. Melnick's really cheap and he doesn't want Matthew Kachuk smashing his uh, doors there, so he might say no to that trade. But in all honesty, I could I could see it. I could really see those two on the same line i think that'd be great Definitely. for marketing in ottawa you know and then finally my manjupani can get on the second line but i'll leave that point on. uh i think that'd be great for Ottawa. i think that'd be a solid trade i don't know if the flames come out on top on that though i think it doesn't matter how good pinto does every day the the headlines would be the kachuk brothers do this the kachuk brothers do that but, well the thing is the flames would need at least an NHL ready like prospect, a prospect in the lineup, and probably one or two first rounds. That's going to be the asking price for Kachuk, because if he is a locker room cancer and if he's worn thin in the locker room, only the Flames know that. They may, and they're probably not going to actively shop him. They'll listen to offers, but they won't admit they'll listen to offers. You know what? Speaking of Ottawa, why not Connor Brown, right winger? He has 16 goals, 27 points this year in Ottawa. And he's 27, so he's not going to be good when they're good. So why not? Why not make a move for Connor Brown? And he's a physical playing player, too. Isn't he a UFA soon? Like, could they just go after him in free agency? He's got two more years after this year. Okay, so you you would have to. And he's he's not signed for a lot. That'd be a good trade. He's not signed for a lot, I don't think. I don't know what they give up to get Connor Brown, but I think that'd be a huge thing for the uh, for the Flames to get. I think I. Uh, I'm sure you could give uh, a couple of draft picks for him, and maybe even throw in a 
bottom six guy. <laughs> Just because, I mean, Ottawa I might already... as well trade him. They're not going to make the playoffs this year and next year. So he's going to be, what, 29, 30, 31 by the time they're good? Yeah. So he'll be out of his prime. You don't trade Kachuk for a guy like that, though, in my opinion. No, no, I'm not saying like I'm not saying. Kachuk oh, okay, Brown. okay. I'm I just see. saying yeah. maybe that's a move the Flames make. Gotcha. In in like a sort of retool, like a last chance, like this is it. Now we have a right winger who can score. Is this core good enough? And then see from there. And then if it's not, well, that's a big problem. Oh. Just. Well, I think the big expectation going into this season was: is this core good enough? We'll see in the playoffs. Yeah, and, and that never happened. And it won't happen. I mean, the fact that the Canucks are only three points behind the Flames with the amount of games in hand they have is shameful. And Patterson hasn't been playing for how long? So the Canucks without Patterson, after being sick for a month, can win games against Toronto. But the Flames can't beat Ottawa on any day of the week. Arguably, um, with... The, that actually is something that I want to talk about because I, I just completely forgot about it. But was if the Flames go for a retool and let's say they're moving on from Sean Monahan at least, like a minimum, Sean Monahan's gone. Do the Flames try an offer sheet Pedersen? And before you say that, no, that like that, that's not going to happen. The Flames have been pretty prolific in offer sheeting players. They offer sheeted. Uh, T. Mussolini in 1993, and then they offshooted Ryan O'Reilly in 2011. But, it's but, not out of character. Does that ever it's work? Not, it's not out of character, but you would have to get so much cap and offer so much, yeah. and would it be worth it? Because the amount of picks you'd have to get up, give up to sign Patterson is going to be a lot. So then and you're really going, this is the year. And I don't think Pedersen Goudreau is a good mix. Just for your example, if you got rid of Monaghan, um, just because they're both skilled forwards with no strength, so then then <laughs> they're just gonna get bullied in playoffs again. But arguably, you also have to think about Vancouver has what seventeen million to sign like nine players, and they have to sign Pedersen and Hughes. But yeah, we, you don't have to give up big contract because he has to yeah, sign the offer yeah. sheet. No, but like um, what's it called? Log Aho did for Montreal. He probably has no intention. He could sign one, and then just use it for bargaining. So you want to trade Monahan just so Patterson can abuse you to sign a Vancouver? <laughs> yeah. Because uh, use it, like a dirty napkin just so Patterson can get the deal he wants. I mean, I'm looking at the players if, they if, have to sign. Other than Quinn Hughes and Patterson, none of them are like going to get it's not a lot of money. Those players, it's it's the fact that they have to fill out so many spots. That is true. It's not the quality. You you have to fill out a well, lot I of mean, spots with a small budget. Sutter's a third, fourth line center. That's 4.3 mil off. So you, you can sign a guy for less. Edler makes 6 million. You're not going to re-sign him for 6 but, million. I, I mean, just going back to like how this relates to the Flames, even if you sign him and he's like uses to bargain with the Canucks, if the Canucks can't sign him, then you've got... like You're fine. You, I think the Canucks will trade. sign him. 100%. Think, Somehow they will. I think in this draft... Oh, yeah. Just looking at him, Dylan Gunther, his potential to be a star in the NHL, 
you know, if he went in 2020, obviously he wouldn't overtake the top three guys. But I could see him going fourth right behind Stutzla. Like, he's he's really good. You know, he's a right shot, right winger. He's six foot one. He's a good height. 170 pounds. He'll put weight on. And he's an Alberta boy. So, in, if it comes draft, and let's say Calgary doesn't win the lottery, do you think it'd be worth to trade up to try to get a quality player like this in the draft? Someone they know can change their franchise. But is that that wholly like deems that you think this guy is going to trade like change your franchise right he could have declared for the draft last year right but he didn't so he goes mm, this year no no he couldn't he was too young this so is that, his first year okay so if this is his first year that's pretty good but at the same time it's such a weird year there's such a small sample size do you really put all your chips on that not only that what's a team in that draft position going to want because yeah. so if they're up there, they're usually not a very good last. team. Buffalo. <laughs> Buffalo. Yeah, but it's Buffalo's pick. Just give them a bunch of bums and they'll say yes. <laughs> so that's what they always because do. Because if you're Buffalo, like let's say Buffalo, someone wins the lottery, Buffalo falls to second, right? Uh, Calgary picks like fifth. Buffalo doesn't need a right winger. Let's say we have an eye on a guy and we're like, that guy can be good. I can see them trading down and Calgary making that move. The issue is, what's the value in this draft, right? Because maybe the Flames have Dylan Gunther first, where some other teams have him 15th. So is, are they going to be willing to make that move? Do they have enough faith in their scouting department to make a move like that? I mean, that comes down to how good is the Flames scouting department, right? Do you think they're going to be able to make the right choice in the situation, especially with this year being such a crapshoot, to be honest? I guarantee you they've watched this kid because he plays in Edmonton. He plays for the Oil Kings. So with the funky year, he's been playing the Hitman, like, I think, like, six times already or something. So they definitely, out of all the kids in the draft, they probably have the most footage on him. Yeah. Okay, so then, you, like, if he's also played the same team multiple times in this, what, 12 games? Those numbers can be completely wrong. He could be a guy whose value is in the 30s. For draft picks too. I mean, yeah, exactly. Imagine drafting an Ottawa Senators player this year, just based off their flame stats. I think that's what Connor's trying to get at. I mean, you could look at a team like that and go, "Oh yeah, this team's really good." And then, oh, and that's oh. the thing. It's, no, it's definitely a leap of faith. Like, I mean, I, I'm high on the kid. You know, in his rookie season, the WHL in 58 games, he had 59 points. That's pretty intense as a 16 year old. But you know. That's, that's saying you have A, faith that this kid can make it next year, and B, that he is the solution, that he is this, you know, James franchise guy who will push the team beyond, you know, where they are right now. But, again, that, that comes down to, do you believe that this guy is going to be the key piece that helps this core? Because that, that's what this is. is it's a core, This core is staying the same, adding this guy. Is that guy going to be enough to make this core good enough? I, I personally, I, I, I don't honestly, think so. I don't know. I, I don't I'm think pretty so. high on him. I don't know how much heavy lifting he can do, though. Like, obviously, you don't know until the kid makes the NHL. I think he's his comparable would be, like, a very not-as-good Pasternak. So, like, a very strong first-line kind of all-star guy. Um, I think he would definitely help the Flames, but does he make this team, you know, 
what James wants, play, that franchise the, guy. The Flames don't need a very not as good Pasternak. They need a Pasternak, man. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> I 100% agree with you. That's it, exactly what I was thinking. Like, <laughs> this sounds like the Flames of the last 10 years. 100%. <laughs> <laughs> so then let me ask you this question. Because being a sad Buffalo fan, all I know is prospects. Next year, in 2021, there's not one, uh, not two, but three franchise centers available in the draft. Is that the year you blow it up and finally suck? Well, I think that's going to depend like this year. You you probably have to do a, a bit of a retool. Because if you go into the next year with the exact same team, you're probably not going to finish bad enough to get those players. Um, you can also trade Goudreau and uh, Geo next year with only one year left. So you have the team's going to have to decide next year after however many games oh yeah, we're a playoff team, or oh no, we are not a playoff team. And when they make that decision, they're going to have to be ruthless. And that if, if there's three franchise centers and Goudreau and Gio are doing okay and your team's not, trade them, absolutely. Try to get as many first picks as possible and try to get a center. As well, you got to think about this. Who are you going to be able to trade where you can get those guys or get into a position where you can get one of those guys? Well, yeah, um, yeah. It, it might more just be you're trading them out for drafts and prospects, so you're already improving the future. And it, and it's going to drop your squad quality so much that you're going to be lower down for that pick, for the lottery as well. Well, you'd have, you'd have to bring in guys that are not going to do well. Uh, you don't have to bring in guys that aren't going to do very well. You already have a core that's not doing very well. But you're trading that core out that's not doing well. I was that, about to you say, see? do you even have to trade out this core? Okay, well, like you guys already suck, why don't you just stay ship? Yeah, suck again next year. You don't have to bring anyone in. Just keep it the same. I, I here's the thing. I don't feel like this is a team that the, the Flames are such an inconsistent team. We've talked about this that playoffs one year, not playoffs next year, right? This can easily be one of those years where it's like not a playoff year. It's a weird COVID year, yada yada yada. Then the Flames go back to playing teams like in California, and then just start dominating. Mm, we know how well the Flames do in Anaheim. So, the Flames, the last Pain. two, like the last year, were almost undefeated in California. Congratulations! I'm sure that trumps years and years of misery and pain in Anaheim. Um, but that, well, I, I'm just talking about the in, core. How are the Flames doing in Kanata, Ontario? Awful. <laughs> 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 And, we need and to play you, guys now, you guys are now in a three-way tie for 24th bottom of the league at 41 points. You guys are tied with the Detroit Red Wings. Just going to leave that there. That um, is brutal. That is pretty painful. That wow. Is I didn't know that. Didn't <laughs> Detroit know that. without Mantha. I know they just De- traded Detroit him. has played more games. But what if, Calgary is San Jose in front of us. Yeah, but San Jose is also tied at 41. Oh. Detroit's the Detroit of their league, where the Flames were supposed to be the top of their league. Ottawa was supposed to be the Detroit of this league, and they're <laughs> destroying the Flames. That's brutal. Okay, also, here's a question. LA only has one less point for them. Yeah, okay, here, here's a question, though. Do the Sens pass the Flames this year? Does no. Calgary end up bottom in the north? No, no way. No, you guys aren't playing them in the north. <laughs> they're not that bad, <laughs> that bad. like... I mean, I I think Vancouver is going to pass Calgary. Oh, Vancouver will, but not Ottawa. They're, they're, Ottawa's still pretty far behind. 
Ottawa, there are only five points. But we'll have any games. Are these similar games? Uh, we, we have a game in hand, but... No, they're not going to pass. I mean, it would be amazing, but uh, I don't think so. so Who does Ottawa Vancouver, If Vancouver does jump you guys, that means you would finish um, sixth in the bottom. So that uh, means your draft chances would be seventh. Ottawa is currently beating the Canucks 2 nothing right now, so if they win that, they're a bit close. Not, not to, we, we play the Sens once more, which oh, isn't great, Oof. but the Canucks play us a ton. They've been playing really well against us, as well as we also played the Oilers, too, and the Habs. And all three teams have been playing great against us. <laughs> Ottawa's 31st for goals against, and they... <laughs> They crush you guys. And the Flames can't score against them. Yeah, the, like I said, <laughs> five of the six losses the Flames have had against the Sens have the Flames have only scored one goal, and the Sens have scored over three or four. So that brings up an interesting question that I have because we obviously all agreed like, oh, Trey Levin's probably not going anywhere. Sutter's not going anywhere yet. Will that push the Flames over the limit to fire them? Because I remember a couple years ago, Buffalo was like, we're not firing Housley. Housley's our guy. And then he lost, I think, 13 games in April or something. Like, near the end of the season, lost like 13 and 1-1. You know, Buffalo wasn't going to fire Ralph Kruger. We have no intention of firing him. And then we went on that 18-game losing streak. We kicked him. So if the Flames lose so much that they fall behind Ottawa, when do you pull the trigger on something? Uh, oh, immediately. The, the moment yes. it's cemented. <laughs> the moment it's cemented. Ford. Like, the you, you already fired your coach. Like, you the, can't you, fire another coach at well, this point. Well, you just, I think... Yeah, you I, absolutely I can. I, I, no, you, as I was saying earlier, you just relieve him at the end of the year. And, and the GM. And you start again. You Like, this year's done. You might as well just let them suck the rest of the year. And then you make moves. There's no, you, you can't fix the problem now. It's it's already. You, you get to the point where you can't let the GM make moves. You fire the GM. You fire the coach. You bring in new guys. You don't fire the you don't fire your scouts because you don't want to go into a draft where you don't know what's happening. Yeah, that's a Buffalo strategy. Firing all your scouts. Yeah. A, a scout a scouting change <laughs> is a gradual one, and the Flames can't pull the savers here. Put that back in my just, pocket. Just you wait till we get Dylan Gunther with our zero WHL scouts. <laughs> then I'll be laughing. No, he's not Swedish or American. Buffalo won't draft him. Hey man, I said that and we got the the gold kid from Yukon. <laughs> yeah, true, actually. So I mean that was Alrighty. a no brainer, I think. The workhorse from Whitehorse? The workhorse from White uh <laughs> as they know him in Yukon, they call him two chains. Uh, we drafted two chains, so I'm pretty happy with that. So we're just going to he- wrap up our uh, Flames podcast here um, with going with who's in the doghouse and who we're going to give a bone to. So if you guys are not familiar with that, uh, the doghouse has been a guy or someone in the organization that has been brutal. Someone we don't think has been doing what they should be doing. And to give a dog a bone is to someone who honestly deserves a break because they've been doing their due diligence and playing hard or doing whatever they can to make things better so given that let's get to start with uh james cool okay so i'm gonna give a bone to johnny goudreau i think he's had a pretty good season yeah <laughs> jj's just cringing right now but um you know 
I think I think Johnny um, he's he's taken a lot of slack this year and you know in many years and especially in the playoffs. But I think he really has come and uh, you can tell he's trying very hard this year, especially when Daryl Sutter took over. So um, I, I don't know. Personally, I've been impressed with how he's been playing this year, um, especially when you consider the backlash he got after playoffs last year. Uh, the person in the doghouse. I'm going to have to give it to Matthew Kachuk. You know, uh, he, he's had a great first couple of years with Calgary. And then this year, he's just, not only has he underperformed performance-wise, he, he hasn't been getting points. He hasn't been getting goals. He's just been acting like a little baby out there a, a lot of times. And he's been taking bad penalties. And he just hasn't been value-adding to the team, in my opinion. And uh, it's just not been a good year for Kachuk. He really needs to put this behind him and really come out uh, on fire next year or... It's, it's looking like a yikes for his next contract, so that's it for me. James, that's very interesting. Uh, you yeah? didn't put Manjupani in the doghouse. You put Kachuk. Yeah, no, I... <laughs> okay, all right. I, I, Shut I, up! <laughs> Shut <laughs> up! <laughs> Enough of you. Enough of this. You're going in my doghouse. <laughs> just but, interesting. Ooh, okay. Go ahead, JJ. But, uh, I'm going to give a bone to Elias Lindholm. Uh, he has been my favorite flame since he got traded there. Um, every year he's stepped up. He is the leading point guy on the team, and he's also responsible defensively. So that's why I think he can get a bone. He's playing well. Uh, he needs help. He can't do it all by himself. Uh, Doghouse, I'm going to give it to management slash ownership. This team has had pretty much no good coaches forever. Um, when they do bring in a coach who has had success, they don't have the right pieces for him, and the, the GM never helps out. So I'm going to put management in the hot seat, and, and uh, I'm going to say they've just been brutal. The core's not good enough. Coaching's been bad. Goaltending, they've been flip-flopping on since Kippers off. There's just no consistency and no quality. So they're going in my doghouse. Fair points. Fair points, Austin. For my doghouse, uh, pretty similar to reasoning for James, but different player. I'm putting Rasmus Anderson. He took that big contract. He was supposed to be number one right-pairing defenseman. Hasn't lived up to it. He's been struggling. Uh, he doesn't look the same out there. And then one thing that I've really not been a fan of is lately he's been kind of getting into that garbage that Kachuk does, you know, that game where he took the game-winning puck away from Ottawa. And, you know, when you're not winning, you just look like a clown. When you he's do been that. taking you're not bad penalties, too. Bad penalties, he's he's playing dirty, he's making bad plays. And when you're a number one defenseman, you can't do that. So, especially, you know, and it hurts to add that he did cost the Flames Mark Stone. So when he cost the Flames Mark Stone and you're playing like Michael Stone out there, it's just really not a good combo. Ouch. Uh, <laughs> Damn. Wow. But uh, a dog I, I want to give a bone to was somebody who was brought in to be a depth guy. Probably not even play on the roster. Um, he puts his heart and soul on the ice. He plays harder than he's ever expected to. He's been put into an impossible role to succeed in, and he's trying his best, and that is Brett Ritchie. Brett Shut Ritchie the fuck up. has been asked to do more than he should be expected to do, and he's working hard. He's putting his heart on the ice. I would never see Johnny Gaudreau have such effort that Brett Ritchie has. And he has more respect for that. <laughs> this is a child I'm trying player. to eat a Timbit, man. 
In case you forgot who the Sabres fan was in the podcast, in the last five minutes of this bozo. If you have an age to get put on the first line and he's given all his heart and effort, I gotta give that dog a bone because he was the one who got dogged by this team. Connor, I just want to. I just want to add quickly to your um, Ramis Anderson one. Uh, one of my favorite Sportsnet comments that I read on Facebook two years ago was, uh, "I can't believe the Flames have valued this guy who threw his gold medal into the crowd because <laughs> it wasn't him." So it was Lyle Anderson. Yeah. yeah oh, I just really? have to add That's that funny. in because I just find that hilarious. So I'm going to use that quote. I'm going to. I'm going to use my Sportsnet. Ranta needs to make a save. Uh, he just he needs to stop throwing his medal in the crowd. He just really needs to stop giving away that uh, silver medal. Oh yeah, silver. Whoops, they didn't. Whoops. I still can't believe you said Brett Ritchie. Like I gotta respect the hustle, the... Brett Ritchie. He's a, oh he's my a... god! Shut, shut the fuck up! Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Man, I can't even think about what my choices are with that. Oh my god! This guy called me crazy <sighs> when I said Phil Kessel. <laughs> would be the leading goal scorer, and then he goes off with. I'm Mandy not Pond saying being he's the best good. League. I'm saying Brett Ritchie was put into a no-win situation. He's the brunt of the bad organization, and he's trying to win for them. Goddamn it! You know what? Not forgive your man. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna transfer that to my doghouse pick. Uh, it's coaching, both Jeff Ward and Sutter. They they both mismanaged players, both mismanaged game, and are both not built for the team that or not right for the team that have the flames have brett ritchie should never be in a top six role he should barely be out of a in a top four role he's brutal and it just doesn't work um but if i was to give a guy a bone sally who's no longer a flame i'm gonna give a bone to david grittick the flames have really done him dirty for so long and I know a lot of people are going to say, oh, I look at the numbers he's put up. Yeah, the guy didn't play games for like six like six plus months in the NHL. And then all of a sudden goes up against Drysdale McDavid when they're on a hot streak. Can you really blame that guy? I, uh, I can't. I, he, you know he's what? a heart and soul guy. I love David Riddick and I wish him all the best in Toronto. That, was done that's dirty. giving my dog. That's giving me flashbacks of Eddie Lack being put on the Flames' second roster when they sent them up to Edmonton against Edmonton's <laughs> first roster, and he, he never got recovered killed. in yeah. preseason. He never it ended recovered his career. From that. Yeah, especially in a position where confidence is key. The Flames have actively done things to hurt David Riddick's confidence. I really wish him the best. He's a great guy. I just remember Riddick should have been remembered for the bat flip, the clap, and yet... Uh, the the memory I have of him leaving Calgary was when they threw him in to lose six nothing, and he just hit his head against the wall, and it wasn't his that fault. That was brutal. That was really bad. That, that hurt to watch. That really hurt to watch. Like when you, in terms of guys, just what he was able to do, and at least the memories. Remember that Colorado game when Goudreau's on the break when he's just in the background like this. Yeah. You just. Even everything Lovable outside guy. of the game, like, you know, Riddick bringing his brother to meet Harvey the Hound, like, would have a grown man cry. Like, I just, I really hope he wins a cup with Toronto. That'd be a beautiful moment. Absolutely. Yeah, no Even chance, if it means but... the Leafs have to win a cup. No and then uh, TJ Brody, too, would win a cup. Okay. Oh, my, okay, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> I was about it. I was silently going to be like, TJ <laughs> Brody would be a Stanley Cup champion. So my, oh my final God. question uh, to end the show off for the evening. 
The Calgary Flames is a terrible name for the city of Calgary. It has nothing to do with the city. We know it's because of the Atlanta Fire. If you guys got the chance to rename the team, what would you call it? I, I feel like the perfect name is Stampeders, but that's already taken. I, that came to my mind, the Calgary <laughs> Stampeders. Well, just just wait three years when the CFL goes out of business and then take the name. Yeah, or, good point. Good or, point. I mean, you could do I Cowboys. Know. I know I know Dallas has a football team named the Cowboys, but almost like the shirt you're wearing, Austin, uh, the jersey. You could oh, this is like, the uh, – yeah, I'll stand up to show. This is the old Calgary junior team. I think they were called the, the Wranglers. There you go, Wranglers. Like something Wranglers. like that. Something to do with the Stampede or... Or this might be the Cowboys one, but yeah. You can and do you Outlaws. Can, and you can keep the colors too, honestly. Mm-hmm. Outlaws would go great with Hitman. Yeah. They share a building. Hitman. Although I do kind of like the Flames because Flames like to destroy oil. And we hate the Oilers, so it's I kind of like that aspect. I just like to see a red, honestly. You, you go to a lot of... You go to a lot of games or watch a lot of games on TV and you look at their fans and it's all suits. It's all suits in the front row. It's all super corporate. Where here it's when you go to the game for the most part, it's people are wearing Flames jerseys. Even if they're really old ones, they have a Flames jersey and they wear it to the game because they want to be a part of the sea of red. So you got to keep red for sure. Oh, absolutely. The color scheme is great. Maybe they should go something like the Calgary Rodeo Clowns. I think it would fit them. <laughs> the Calgary never get past the first round. <laughs> Alrighty, well, that was a great show, boys, and I think we'll be signing off. Uh, please tune in next time to see which team's in the doghouse.